How are we all doing? See all the good-looking people came to church this morning. Is that right? Just lift up your hand if you're sta- sitting next to somebody good-looking. Just lift your hand and just check if the person next to you lifted their hand. Just check, and if they didn't say, get your hand up, get your hand up. But how cool is this, being able to get together as a family and in one place, and I love the fact that we get to do this, and uh, it's my privilege to be in Rolleston, first time in Rolleston, and uh, hopefully not the last, but uh, it's just a great honor and privilege to be here, and I really believe uh, this morning is a set up. I don't know if you realize it, but I believe it's a set up in God for what God wants to do uh, in the coming days in this region. I believe uh, the church here has been through some stuff, but man, God's doing something significant at the moment, and I believe He wants to position you and I so that we can take hold of everything that He has for our life. How many are thankful for their pastor, their leader? Uh, can we, come on, can we give our pastors and leaders a big hand? Uh, leading church isn't easy. Uh, some of you are mean and nasty, and uh, <laughs> some of you are nice and, and uh, beautiful and wonderful, but uh, you know, I really appreciate people who uh, put their hands up and say, I, I just want to be used of God to gather God's people together so that they may encounter Him and they may live out their God-given potential. And uh, how many know we need more people like that? who are prepared to serve God. And so I'm really thankful for the people around New Zealand and also around the world uh, that are just committed to serving God's purpose uh, in their lifetime. And yeah, the church is going forward in spite of lockdowns. I know we had lockdowns, we had restrictions, but how many know God is not limited by natural restrictions? And uh, during this recent season, just seeing the church go forward, I was sharing last night, we planted a church in Budapest, in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, that church is already reaching over 250 people. A lot of people are giving their hearts to Jesus. They're needing a bigger building. We're officially uh, launching our church in Mexico. In Mexico. And, you know, right around the world, things are happening around New Zealand. Uh, another church launching in Rotorua. And, uh, you know, just over recent times at the beginning of the year uh, in Auckland, we expanded and uh, we launched two more locations uh, in Auckland as well. And so God, God's moving, God's doing great things. And I don't know about you, but I count it an honor and privilege to serve Him. And uh, what, a, what a cool thing to be able to get together and be able to lift Him up. How many know God's in this place today? Where two or three are gathered in His name, He's there in the midst and I don't know what you came in feeling like. I don't know what you're facing right now. But I do know a God who's bigger, stronger, greater than anything that we're up against. And he wants to move in a powerful way. For those that don't know, I'm married, one wife. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, My first and only girlfriend, we got married at the age of 21. She was 20. Met when we were 14 in youth group. And, uh, you know, we've now got three daughters. And uh, I have a 21-year-old, and she's just started dating a guy. And I'm going, hey, take it slow, take it slow. And she says, Dad, you're married at my age. And I'm going like, oh, shut up. Uh, I don't even want to go there in my mind. Uh, But right now our family is uh, around the country. My wife's ministering in Tauranga uh, with my middle daughter. One of my other daughters is serving at a location. And the other daughter, 13-year-old, is serving at another location. 
And so uh, we just love serving God together. Yes, my house is full of females. Pray for me. Even my cat's a female. And all the equippers guys know this. I often tell the joke. I now know why God created Adam first. It was so he had a chance to speak. I don't get a chance to speak at home. That's why they've got to send me away to unleash all my words. So uh, that's what I'm going to do this morning. And, uh, you know, today I got a phone call. In fact, our pastor in one of our locations, man, what is it? All, all our staff seem to be having babies. Uh, you know, we were in a lockdown August last year. You know, I don't know if that was the reason why a whole lot of lockdown babies, but we're just about to go into a, a big conference and I'm going, man, couldn't you have timed it at a better time? And anyway, he rings up this morning and tells me that his uh, wife's waters have just broken. And so we're praying for him today. And, uh, you know, there's a shuffling around. But how many know the church just goes forward no matter what's going on? And uh, I believe this is the greatest days of the church. Well, I want to speak from uh, Matthew chapter 11. I want to speak from a, a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, in fact, a lot of people have quoted these verses that I'm going to land on uh, in the message version because they articulate well what this p- passage means. But I don't want to just read those two verses. I want to give a little bit of context to those verses. And so we're going to go back in Matthew 11 and we're going to be reading from verse 20 um, because Jesus, you know, meek and mild Jesus, he says some strong things. Uh, before he gets to the nice stuff. Uh, so often people don't know or have never met savage Jesus. But how many know Jesus can go, he, he goes direct and he goes strong. And, and here in this passage of scripture, we see Jesus, it says, in fact, next Jesus unleashed on the cities where he'd worked the hardest, but whose people who had responded the least. So even Jesus was frustrated because he had he'd worked hard and there was a little response. How, how many hate it when you're putting in a whole lot of effort and you're getting limited results? You know, that is frustrating. And Jesus is frustrated here because he had worked hard, but people had responded the least, shrugging their shoulders and just going their own way. And he says to them in verse 21, he says, Doom to you, Karazon. Doom Bethsaida. He says, If Tyre and Sidon, had seen half of the powerful miracles you had seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. How many would testify that God's done a miracle in their life? Just lift your hand if you testify. Yeah, God has been so good to us, but how often do we just get familiar with what God's done in our life? And here Jesus is saying, if, if, God, if these people over here had seen half the things you'd seen, they'd have been on their knees in a minute. It says their judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. And Capernaum, with all your peacock strutting, you're going to end up in the abyss. If the people of Sodom, we know those people in the Old Testament, if the people of Sodom had half your chances, the city would still be around. At judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls. Anybody know people like that? Sophisticates and know-it-alls. But it says, but spell them out clearly to ordinary people. We've got some ordinary people here. Ordinary people, yes, Father, that's the way that you like to work. And Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. So, so he, he got to the point, he got across what he was wanting to say, but now he's speaking to them tenderly. And he says, the Father has given me 
all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and the son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who's prepared to listen. Here, here we go. Here's the verses that we know right now. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Notice real rest is not absent from work. People are, oh, I just need a break. I need a break from work. But he, he's saying, no, walk with me and work with me. And you'll discover this real rest. Watch how I do it and learn, learn, learn. How many have got some learning to do when it comes to this? Uh, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you're, what will you do? You will learn to live freely and lightly. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could just walk around, you know, we could have some challenges in front of us, but we walk freely and lightly. How many have ever chosen the wrong shoes to wear on a long walk? You're going on a long walk and you go, dang, I chose the wrong shoes. And as a result of wearing the wrong shoes, you end up with blisters and your feet ache. There's nothing like coming home after wearing the wrong shoes after a long day's work and taking off your shoes. Do I get an amen to that? Here, you don't just take off your shoes. You'd have to put on slippers because it's cold down here. It's cold down here. But, but you know, there's nothing like taking off your shoes at the end of a, a long day. You know, what we do, though, is often we're wearing the wrong shoes. They're, they're all fitting. They're, they look good, but they hurt. And the cost of looking good sometimes is a high price. Some of us right now, we're paying too high a price to look good. And I want to say right now, religion is all about the outside. It's, it's, it's about the stuff that's forced. It's about looking good. But in reality, we're, we're wearing stuff that doesn't quite fit. And I love this verse because Jesus says, I won't put anything ill-fitting on you. You know, I want you to live and walk in a place where you can walk freely and lightly. See, religion is all about force. It's about coercion, manipulation. And in the end, it's draining. And it's just hard to maintain. When Jesus came, he came to bring about a new operating system, a new way of doing things. See, the problem with our old operating system is draining too much battery life. And many of us, I know, with our devices, have problems with our batteries. In fact, you see young people today sitting next to PowerPoints because they're just desperate because their battery's been drained and they still need to access social media. It's a phenomenon out there. I don't know if you've seen it, but it happens all the time. And if some of us right now, if we look at our lives, our battery's on low. We're in the red. We've been through a whole lot of stuff. And, and it's like life is draining. Even just the thought of showing up to church, sometimes it's like, man, I don't know if I have the battery life just to get up in the morning, get dressed, and get to the house of God. I'm thankful that you did today, that there was enough battery life there. But so many of us are operating from the wrong system, and we don't realize what it's costing us. And this is where Jesus says here, let's learn, learn, the unforced rhythms of his grace. 
Because that's where you're going to be effective. That's where you're going to be energized. That's when you're going to find the sweet spot of what God's called you to. That, that's the place where you're absent, where insecurity is absent. I mean, no, insecurity can be draining. Some of us right now, you know, it's like, oh, what are they thinking? Who's looking at me? And it's like all these emotions are being expended because we're focused on ourselves, And we haven't yet learned to walk in the unforced rhythms of His grace. See, these rhythms need to be learnt. Why? Why do they need to be learnt? Because I've found humility is hard to master. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, some people go, I got humility down. Really? Do you ever get humility down? Uh, comparison get this, is a trap that each of us can continually fall into. Uh, we compare ourselves all the time. Or for some of us, it's just this fear and the need to be in control. The control freak in us wants, wants to know all the details. But God says, no, hey, I want you to learn, learn. Turn to your neighbor say, you need to learn this. You need to learn this this morning. Come on, if you live in everything that God's called you to, we need to learn how to walk in the unforced rhythms of His grace. You know, are you right now operating in His grace? Are you living in His grace? Or do you have, like me, do you have some learning to do? Come on, right now, is life hard and heavy? Just right now, it's just everything's hard and it's heavy. There's no fit. There's no flow. There's no rhythm. You're frustrated. You're overwhelmed. You're, you're, you're anxious all the time. God doesn't want you to live that way. Get this. If you're in this pl- that place, that's not God because God doesn't put anything ill-fitty and, and heavy on you. His goal for your life is that you walk freely and lightly. That's his goal. I mean, no, that doesn't mean you don't have challenges. That's not absent of challenges. And some of you right now are saying, is that even possible? You don't understand what I'm going through right now. You don't understand what's on my plate. You don't understand the complexities I've got to deal with right now. It's hard. And I, I have a right to just be a little bit solemn and heavy and, and that. No, no, you're right. I don't understand what's going on in your life. But get this. God does. And if you keep company with him, not me, you keep company with him, you'll learn from him. I've come to the realization, and it's taken me a while to figure out, that I don't actually represent God. Here's what I've realized. I don't represent God when I'm stressed. I don't represent him well. When, when I'm anxious, when I'm uptight, and when I'm manic, I actually as a believer in Jesus, don't represent him well to the world around me. Yeah, I I got big challenges. You know, we're running a a conference in one of the biggest indoor arenas in the nation. There's a lot of stuff that goes on to that, aside from all your staff members having babies. Uh, But but it's like, yeah, I got big, big problems. Come on, anybody with me got some big problems in their world right now? Now, I, I found when you got big vision, you got big problems. You know, so many people, you know, serve a big God, but they've got a small dream. I, I believe if we serve a big God, we should have a big dream. Do I get an amen to that? Amen. So many people scale back their dream to what they can do. I believe a God dream is always beyond you. It's beyond what we can do. And it, it, it relies on God. It, it trusts God in that space. And, and many people, you know, have trusted God before, but what they've done is they've scaled back their dream 
to avoid disappointment. Because I've stepped out and it hasn't worked out as they thought it would. And so now they've scaled back things so they don't ever have to feel that disappointment. I want to encourage you today. Come on, it's time to go again. It's time to dream big. Come on, just slap your neighbor, wake them up and say, it's time to dream big. Come on, for this region, the reason why we're together is not just so that we can reach a community. Come on, I really believe God wants to see a region touch. I believe, come on, I want to prophesy that even to to a valley of dry bones, that a mighty army is going to rise out of those dry bones. And come on, we're going to see the church experience its greatest days. Do I get an amen to that this morning? Come on, if you believe it, I want you to give God a clap of praise right now. But here's what I found is when you got big problems, I felt like God spoke to me and said, Sam, the only reason why you got big problems is because I see more in you than you see in yourself. And God entrusts big problems to big spirited people. So if you've got big problems right now, you can be encouraged. Because God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. And it's his capacity in you to work a miracle, that is, is what we need to trust in. It's not our own ability, but it's His Holy Spirit who lives within us. And we have access to everything we need. And everything we need is found in God. See, I, I feel like right now in many places, a little bit, it's like, oh, this is hard. We're coming out of a pandemic and everything's heavy and, and people are drained. I'm praying this morning that each and every one of us would step into a flow that would find our fit in God because God doesn't put anything ill-fitting on us. So what are we carrying right now that's, what are we wearing right now that God hasn't put on us and what are we carrying that God hasn't loaded us with? See, if we're to find our fit, we're to find our flow. Just three things quickly this morning. Number one is we've got to know who we are. We need to know who we are. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in Him? See, knowing who you are sometimes is knowing what you're not. Yeah, I've I've found, uh, everybody can sing. I can sing, I can sing, yeah, I can sing. But people don't like me singing. Everybody can sing, but it's whether you can sing in tune that, that's how you know that there's a grace on your life in that area. I, I remember as a, about a 12-year-old boy, I went to all-boys school, and uh, we had a music teacher, and he got us to sing a song. And uh, so, so we all sung a song in a line. We're all in a line. We sung, and he would go by each boy and just listen to, to what was coming out of their mouth. And then he would tap a few people, and those few people would have to step to the back. I got shoulder tapped. Uh, there was three of us. And all three of us learned that we couldn't sing in tune. Man, I'm glad I discovered from an early age that singing wasn't my deal. Otherwise, I might have tried out for X Factor. And that would have been really, really embarrassing. But the key to knowing who you are is actually knowing what you're not. See, God's grace is not attached to who you pretend to be. God's grace is not attached to who you want to be. Oh, I want to be like that person. No, God's made you, you for a reason. And God's grace is attached to who he's created you to be. 
Many people have different definitions of grace, unmerited favor, or they use the acronym God's riches at Christ's expense. One of the greatest definitions of grace I've heard is God's grace is God's empowering presence, enabling me to be the person he's called me to be. So I can do the things that he's called me to do. A lot of people today, they just understand the saving grace of God, but they haven't stepped into a dimension where they're walking in God's empowering grace. Yeah, it's cool what you've been saved from. That's awesome. But it's time the church learned what they've been saved to. And you're being saved to a life of purpose, a life of destiny, a life of impact and influence. And you don't look the way that you look by chance. It's all by God's design. See, we need to know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, we are his masterpiece. Since you never say, you're sitting next to a masterpiece. You're sitting next to a masterpiece. That's right. We are his masterpiece. When God made us, he didn't go, oops, got that wrong. Get a better with the next one. Uh, you look the way that you look. You've got the gifts the, uh, you've got because God's done it by design. See, get this. We are his masterpiece for he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good works he planned for us long ago. What you've got to understand is God planned the works for us long ago. But that comes from the understanding also that we're his masterpiece. Get this. God's the artist or he's the architect. And we're his masterpiece. Now, how this works is, you know, architect, my brother's an architect, and he'll tell you that purpose precedes design. Purpose precedes design. They don't design something that could go, oh, oh, that looks like it could be good to live in. You know, they go, what's the purpose? And then they design around the purpose. Do you know that's the same with God? He looked at your purpose and the works that you'll do, and then he goes, okay, I'm going to design you to look the way you look. I'm going to put within you the gifts that you need so that you could fulfill that purpose. A lot of people are trying to figure out who they are outside of God's purpose, but it's only inside God's purpose that we discover who we really are. See, God wants you to walk in a sweet spot. And we teach this at a course called Equip. You know, your sweet spot, and a graph will come up maybe, your sweet spot is the intersection of opportunity, gifts, and passion. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen behind, but it's the intersection of those three things. It's the intersection of opportunities, gifts, and passion. And life's too short not to know your sweet spot. It's too short to, to, to not be walking in the center of what God has for you. What are the gifts God's put in your life? You owe it to yourself to know that. What's the passion? What do you get excited about? And what's the opportunity? What opportunity has God put in front of you where you are right now? Not in the years to come, but right now. See, when it comes to your sweet spot though, your sweet spot is never found in the comfort zone. If we could put up the next chart, it's never found in the comfort zone. The comfort zone is the place where you think you can do it. It's a place where, man, I've got this. You know, this is easy. One of the greatest dangers in the church and the body of Christ today is boredom. I believe we're wired to live out a God adventure. 
In fact, the founder of Google, they said, always work on something uncomfortably exciting. Uh, that's, here, here's the thing. If you're not working on something uncomfortably exciting that you believe God's put in your heart, you're in danger of getting bored and you're in danger of living in religion. And that's why you're burnt out. That's why you're tired. You owe it to yourself to, to find out, you know, to step beyond what is known and get outside the, the comfort zone. Everybody right now, uh, just put down what you got in your hands. And what I want you to do is I want you to lift your hands as high as you can. Just as high as you can. Both hands as high as you can. Okay, keep them in the air. Now, on the count of three, on the count of three, I want you to give me two more inches. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three, go. Two more inches. Wow. The whole room lifted just in that moment. But hang on a sec. Didn't I say to you to lift your hands as high as you can? And and you went there. But when I said there was two more inches, you found something that you never knew you had. And I want to say there's more in you than you realize, but it's going to take you getting out of your comfort zone. Some of us right now, though, we're living in the false expectation zone, a place where you wish you could do it, but God hasn't called you to it. But there's a sweet spot that we have, and that's where God works through you to do it. See, I want to say, if you're going to kill your Goliath, and I believe God's called us to take some giants out. There's some giants in our society where we need to see them defeated. If you're going to kill your Goliath, you're not going to do it wearing Saul's armor. And some of you, you know, you're allowing the expectations of others. Well, I've already drained a mic. I need another mic. Burnt out that mic and... uh, but here's the thing, you're never going to kill your Goliath wearing Saul's armor. Now, Saul didn't even believe David could do it, but he said, if you're going to do it, at least wear my armor. But I love the fact that David had proven God in the field. He had proven God with his sling and with his five stones. And there was a grace upon that sling and five stones to take out a giant. You need to find out where God's grace is. If you're going to find fit and flow, you need to know who you are. But the second thing you need to do is you need to take off expectations. For some of us, it's not what we're wearing. It's just that we're wearing it wrong. You know, releasing yourself from other people's expectations is huge, especially if we're to walk freely and lightly. But even removing some of those self-imposed expectations you know, that, that need to be in control is the key to stepping into rhythm. Some of us just no rhythm right now. Everything's a little bit gumbo. Uh, there's no rhythm. And uh, it's a key to, to rhythm. And I, I want to say, you know, taking off expectation, and there's a biblical metaphor that I want to unpack, requires you to take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. When God called Joseph, Joseph, Joshua, should I say, not Joseph, Joshua and Moses into a new space, before he took them into that miracle territory, the first thing he asked them to do was to take off their shoes. Why would God do that? How many know taking off your shoes is dangerous? You never know what's going to happen. If I asked everybody to take off their shoes right now, there may be an aroma and it wouldn't be the presence of God. But taking off your shoes, also, some of us are conscious, have we got matching socks on? How many know socks love to get divorced? 
It's almost impossible sometimes to find matching socks. That's why I recommend buying packs of 10. They all look the same. You know, if you came to church for that information, that will help you out in finding matching socks. You ever taken off your shoes and you go, oh no, I think I've got a hole in my sock and my, my toes poking out the top. You know, it can be a, a little bit awkward. But the question I want to ask you is, have you, as a Christian, have you taken off your shoes yet? See, many people, they know Jesus as their Savior. But the question is, is he your Lord? Because he just doesn't want to be Savior. He wants to be Lord also. And that's why Joshua and Moses had to take off their shoes. Joshua runs up to the commander of the Lord's army and he says, are you for me or are you against me? The commander of the Lord's army goes, neither. He does a, a rock. He says, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter whose side I'm on. Too many people are wanting God to pick sides. Are you red? Are you blue? What are, what's, what's God? And God says, neither. What's important is not whose side God's on, but are you on God's side? Are you on God's side? Have you taken off your shoes? See, this whole metaphor, actually, uh, we get greater understanding of it from the book of Ruth. It's a small book in the Bible, tells a great story about Naomi and her husband who moved to Moab. They moved to Moab because Israel's in famine. And so what they do is they sell their land to go to Moab because they need the money to move. Naomi has two sons who are married and they came with the whole family. So they all moved to Moab, but what happens is, is the husband and the son-in-laws die. And Naomi's got a dilemma. And she says, I need to go back to Israel. I need to go back to my home. And one of the sister-in-law says, no, I'm staying here. But the other one, Ruth says, hey, where you go, I'll go. I'm going back with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my, my God. I'm, I'm going to follow you. So they come back and they've got no money and no land because they sold it. And so Ruth begins to glean the corners of a field from a rich man. His name is Boaz. I like that name, Boaz. And Boaz starts to take notice of her. And Ruth says to him, comes to a place, hey, hey, Boaz, you like me? Hey, you can marry me if you want, but if you're gonna do it, you need to deal with some stuff with my nearest relative because he has rights to me. And so Boaz calls the elders of the city together and in the town square, he, he says to the nearest relative who has rights to Ruth, he says, he says to you, do you want to marry Ruth? And the guy goes, yeah, I want to marry her. But Boaz says, hey, you need to know something first. If you're going to marry Ruth, you've got to buy Naomi's land back first if you're going to marry her. And so Boaz says, do you want to marry? And the guy goes, nah, I'm out. How many know that's indicative of a lot of guys today? You want to marry that woman? Yeah, yeah, I want to marry her. Hey, there's a cost. I was like, oh, oh, oh no thanks. Uh, by the way, guys, to all the guys out there, uh, no woman is free. Uh, I've learned that. I've got them in my house. They all cost. How much does it cost to have a wife? Everything you have. 
everything you have. That's the only way marriage works is when you go all in. By the way, to all the single people out there, and some of you have seen the meme. It, it says to all the girls in a hurry to find a boyfriend and get married, here's a piece of biblical advice. Ruth waited patiently for her mate Boaz. And when you're waiting for your, your Boaz, don't settle for one of his relatives. Broke as. Lying ass, cheating ass, dumb ass, locked up ass, good for nothing ass, and lazy ass. Come on, God's got somebody special for you. Do I get an amen to that one? So, so, so the guy says, hey, I, I don't want to marry her. He, he says to Boaz, you can marry her. And this is a true story, but there's some spiritual symbolism here is, is because he had to redeem. He had to pay the price. Uh, and, and that's what we've been, what, what's happened with us, with Jesus. We've been redeemed. There was a price to pay for yours and my freedom. And Jesus paid the price. Boaz in Scripture is called a kingsman redeemer. He's like, like Christ. But, but here's a spiritual symbolism that was used in Ruth chapter 4, verse 7. It says, now this was a custom in former times concerning Israel, uh, concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything, one man took off his sandal, took off his shoes, and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. He took off his shoes. This was a custom. Now, now, where did this custom come from? Because what would happen in, in ancient Israel, what would happen is if, if a husband died... What would happen? It would be responsible. It would be the responsibility of the brother of the husband to actually marry the sister-in-law. Man, talk about awkward family conversations. Are you going to marry that woman? If you die, man, oh, it's, it's on me. It, it was the responsibility of the brother to do it, to raise up an ear. So the livelihood and, 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 and the inheritance could continue with that, that, that family. And this all comes from Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, and I want to read this out to give a little bit of context. I know where I'm going, don't worry. Deuteronomy 25 verse 7, it says, But if the man does not take his brother's wife, so if he doesn't fulfill his responsibility, then let the brother's wife go up to the gate of the elders and say, My, my husband's brother refuses to raise a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of a city shall call to him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I don't want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his uh, foot, spit in his face. This is in the Bible. Spit in his face and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his father's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who has had his sandal removed. So not only this, does, not only does the sister-in-law get to spit in his face if he doesn't raise up, if he doesn't do this, he has to change his name. And he has to change his name. What's your name? The house. No, what, what's your full name? Uh, the house of him who had his sandal removed. That's what he has to change his name to. It's like, what's your name? Yeah, that, that'd be a little bit awkward. But here's the point here. Here's the point in all of it. The man has a right, but what's he doing? He's giving up his right. And the sign that God came up with 
that you're giving up your rights is to take off your shoes. That's the thing. So God shows up with Moses and Joshua. And they're going, what what can I do for you? And he goes, well, the first thing we need to establish, if I'm in this, you've got to take off your shoes. This ain't going to work unless I'm in charge. This is a, see, so many of us want the blessing of God, but we haven't established who's in charge. We use God to accomplish our victory. We haven't yet come to a point where we say, God, use me to accomplish your victory. See, taking off your shoes is giving up your rights. You know, uh, we, we talk about give up your rights. Today, everybody's fighting for their rights. It's about my rights. I got rights here. How many know in a marriage you can be right, but you can be wrong? You can be really wrong. Some people say, I have a right to hold on to unforgiveness. No, you don't. If you receive forgiveness from God, you have no right to hold unforgiveness. You have no right to be offended. To hold on to their offense and be bitter. By the way, when it comes to church, you need to be a Christian to survive church. Yeah, some of you, the penny's just dropping on that. Here's the thing. To survive church, you actually need to operate in a spirit of love, forgiveness. And you need to operate in a spirit of grace. The grace that you receive it enables you to pass that on to somebody else. But too many people, oh, it's my rights. You've got to give up your rights if you're to flow in grace. Notice it's not give up your wrongs. It's easy to give up your wrongs. Who doesn't want to get rid of their wrongs? But he's not saying give up your wrongs. He's saying give up your rights. And some of you are, but I'm right. And God's saying, well, good on you. You do it without me. If you want to access grace, he needs to be the one who's in charge. Come on, right now, is he in charge of your business? Who makes decisions for you? Is he in charge of your finances? Oh, no, that's not right. Well, give up your rights and align yourself with the Word of God because that's when you step into grace. Come on, what was the first thing Jesus did at the Last Supper? He washed the disciples' feet. In order for him to wash their feet, what did they have to do? They had to take off their shoes. And he comes to Peter. He's about to wash his feet. And Peter goes, no, far be it from me that you wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't do this, you have no part of me. In fact, John 13, 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash my feet, you can have no part with me. In other words, you're out. But Peter's going, this isn't right. Because in that day, a student, which he was, was meant to wash a rabbi's feet. Jesus was a rabbi. But Jesus, the rabbi, was washing the student's feet. And, and he's going, Jesus, you got it out of order. This is all wrong. But Jesus had to say to him, hey, you have no part of me. If you don't let me do this, if you don't give up what you think is right, you're not going to understand what I want to do in and through your life. If you're not going to let me be in charge. Question I need to ask is, who's in charge? Yeah, uh, we say, oh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But, you know, for many people, he's our Savior, but he hasn't yet become our Lord. I want God on my side. And God's saying, are you on my side? I found when you position yourself on God's side, what fights you? 
fights God. Because nothing can hinder God's purpose. And some of you are struggling right now because you're trying to bring God into a battle that he's never called you to fight. But if you align yourself with God's purpose, get this, you seek God's purpose for your life. You find the sweet spot. What fights you fights God. And God always wins. Unlike the warriors, he always wins. God always, unlike the blues, yes, I'll bring it out. Congratulations. Everybody stretch out your hand and pray for the disappointed pastor at the front who supported the blues and hoped it would be our year, but it wasn't our year. But anyway, next year, next year in Jesus' name. But what fights you fights God. Okay, number three, last one, last point. If we're going to find fit and flow, we need to allow God to bring things together. We need to allow God to bring it together. I love Ecclesiastes chapter three, where it says, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Not our time, in his time. Oh God, I don't understand what you're doing right now. He goes, don't worry, I got it. I got it. I got it. Allow him to bring it together. One thing I found is God's got a better plan for me than I've got for myself. You know, I thought I'd go this direction, but I've just followed God and I'm going like, God, this is far better than I could ever imagined or think. Thank God, God, you're in this. And I like Ecclesiastes 3 because it says he's made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. This is the Amplified version. It says he, he has also planted eternity, eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. There's something inside each and every one of us that says we're born for more. It's this It says here, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Right now, you can give your life to many different things. But there's this mysterious longing inside each and every one of us that only can be satisfied by God. It says, yet man cannot find it out, comprehend, grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to end. We can't understand it. And we've got to just trust him. And so often, it's not what's going on in our life, but it's our perception of what's going on that really matters. Could it be right now, we're carrying things heavy because we're looking at it wrong. You know, it's one person goes to work tomorrow on a Monday morning and go, man, I hate this job. This job sucks. There's just so much murmuring, gossiping going on here. You know, I hate this. I can't wait to Friday. You know, I I just don't want to be here. But another person's going into the same workplace and going, whoa, God, thank you for this job. I waited for this job. I prayed for this job. And here I am. You know, both of them walk through the same front doors. One's, One's whistling, one's frustrated. They park in the same car park. They pay the same amount of money. They have the same issues, same amount of kids probably. You know, and and one has a different perspective. Their perspective has changed. You know, for some people, you know, when it comes to their relational status, singleness, they see singleness as a curse. Single, oh, I'm still single. It's like every night I come home and I'm all by myself. There's nobody to talk with, talk to, nobody to interact with, nobody to put out the rubbish. Nobody puts out the rubbish. That even happens in a marriage, by the way. Yeah, it's like, no, I have to go grocery shopping for myself. You know, nobody helps me out. But then another single person comes home and 
shuts the front door and goes, oh, thank you, God, for peace and quiet. Nobody's bothering me. Nobody's disturbing me. If I don't want to cook tonight, I don't have to cook. I can eat what I want. You know, I thank you, God, for the joy of being by myself. Same situations, different perception and perspective on what's going on. And some of us right now, we're carrying things heavy because we haven't seen things from his perspective. And we just, we need to say, God, God, you're working in my favor. You're working for my good. You're going to bring this together. I don't know how, you know, this building that we've got to build in Rolleston, you know, I've got some things going on, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk freely. I'm going to walk lightly because you're going to, you're going to provide. You're going to bring the right people together, the right skills together. Come on, God, you're going to work in my family. I got kids that are backsliding away from God, being in church, don't want to have anything to do with the church right now. But God, I'm going to pray. How many know as parents, there's only so much you can do past the age of 14. Now, once they're 14, they've got their own mind. The best thing that you can do once they're past 14 is pray. Man, I'm praying right now. I've got girls who are starting to date. Man, man, I'm really praying. I'm praying and fasting. I'm freaked out. I know I can't do anything, but God can. God, please, please, please. Work. But yeah, prayer. And God, I trust you. You're going to bring it together. You're going to work out the details. I'm not going to get all worked up about something that's never going to eventuate. I'm going to put my trust and hope in you. Do you know a key psalm that God spoke to me, if we could have the musicians up and I'm done. Before, just at the beginning of the pandemic, because there was a lot of different things to navigate. A lot of people had thoughts on and opinions on everything. As they say, opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them. And most of them stink. And there's a lot of opinions out there on what the church should be doing and what the church shouldn't be doing. And, and I, I just, just felt God speak to me just on a personal basis. Took me to a psalm, Psalm 131. The psalmist says, My eyes aren't haughty, my heart is not proud. He says, I do not concern myself with matters beyond my grasp. He says, I'll put my trust in you, my soul is like that of a weaned child. Like a weaned child, my soul is within me. I will put my trust and hope in God. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Sam, just don't focus on matters that are beyond you. Allow me to wean your soul off unhealthy dependencies. See, what God wants to do is He always wants to bring us to a place of complete trust where we take off our shoes and we surrender our destiny and we give it to God. And as I just say, God, I I give these things to you. I think Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to God. The things that we don't understand, they belong to Him. But it says the revealed things belong to us and future generations. And I felt God say, just take responsibility for what's in front of you. Just put one foot after the other and and do the best with what's in your hand right now. And I'm thankful that God gave me that instruction at the beginning of the pandemic because that helped us. 
when it came to making decisions, who would have thought that we could run, shout, conference in Spark Arena, two years running in the middle of a pandemic. We made the call when we were in level three. You know, level three, yeah, level three, we made the call. It was six weeks out and the team said, let's do it. The restrictions miraculously came off. We ran shout. And then about three weeks after, (laughs) the restrictions came back on. Now, if I had overthought it, we would just say, we can't do it. But there was windows where where God just opened up things miraculously. At the time, we thought this is great. And we didn't even realize how big a miracle it was until the restrictions went back on. But that didn't just happen one year. That happened two years running. And it was almost like God just said, hey, I want to open a door for you to be able to get together with all God's people because you need this because you're going to have to go through some more. And this is going to give you the energy, the vitality. This is going to give you the strength you need to face the next season. And it was just like, hey, we're just going to trust you with what's in front of us. Some of us, we're we're too far down the track, but you can be confident. God has a good inheritance for your life. Your lines fall for you in pleasant places. The Bible says His inheritance is good. But the question is, will you trust Him? Will you trust Him? Because if you want to access rhythm, the rhythms of His grace comes from knowing who you are taking off expectations, the expectations you may have put on yourself or you will let others put on you. And it's simply saying, God, I'm going to allow you to bring this together. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see how this is all going to work out. How many know you watch a movie because you don't know the ending that keeps you on the edge of your seat? If you know how it's going to end at the start, you fall asleep. Some of your lives are so predictable that nobody's even looking on. God wants to surprise you, surprise the people around you. He wants to surprise others as to what God can do through your life. Come on, let's be trophies of His grace. Let's show the world that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in New Zealand here. He's alive and He's active and He's wanting to do amazing things in and through our lives. Come on, how many believe that our God's alive today? Come on, I need a little bit more of a response. God is not dead. He is alive. Come on, if you you believe He's alive and He wants to do something amazing in and through your life, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Because I really believe people in this next season are going to find the sweet spot of what God's called them to. Some of you, you have lived frustrated for too long. You've lived overwhelmed. You're carrying burdens that God's never called you to, to carry. God wants to take those off you today. Come on, some of you, it's like you've had something in your heart for a long time, but you haven't taken a step towards it. I believe this is going to be a landmark day where you say, I'm not just going to think about this thing, but I'm going to step out into the unknown and I'm going to trust God. Come on, if that witness is with you right now, just saying, God, I want to hit the sweet spot. I want to learn the unforced rhythms of your grace. I want to walk freely and lightly. I want you to lift your hand right across this room. Come on, lift your hand, lift your hand high. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're working in this place. Right now, you're illuminating things to people's hearts. Lord, right now, Lord, every weight that people are carrying that you've called them not to carry, Lord, I pray it would fall to the ground right now in Jesus' name.
the weight of expectation that come from parents, from friends, from others, from ourselves, Lord. We release them to you. Lord, we say today we live for you. We live for you. We live for you and your purpose and your cause. We surrender to you. And right now with hands lifted, maybe eyes closed just so you can focus. We asked the question this morning about take, have we taken off our shoes? Come on, I want you to ask yourself that question right now. Because some of us, we've got blisters. Our feet are, are aching like nothing else. And it's simply because we haven't taken off our shoes. Come on, God, He doesn't want to put anything ill-fitting on you. Come on, the shoes that He wants you to wear in this next season, you're going to be able to run with. Your battery life is not going to be drained. Come on, I even feel like in the Spirit right now, there's just the energy being released. Maybe if you've got a heavenly language, how about just begin to use that heavenly language? Just begin to speak out, you know, come on, out loud even. Don't forget about the person next to you because I believe there's an edification that God wants to bring to people's spirit. And the Bible says, he who speaks in another tongue edifies himself, edifies himself. Come on, break the sound barrier. Would you just break the sound barrier with that in some places? Come on, out of your spirit, out of your spirit. This is part of your surrender. Do I have to? No, you don't. But as you just step into a place of trust, I know God's going to come and He's going to come and fill your life. Fill it afresh. Fill it anew, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, baptize the people afresh. Fill them with your power. In Jesus' name. Come on, just receive right now. Receive. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for the release of your your power in this place. In Jesus' name. And just with the confidence, right now I believe God's going to bring things together. Come on, all the loose ends. All the loose ends. Some of you, you you got just so many loose ends. You're going, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how. how." But today say, God, I thank you. You're going to make something beautiful. Come on, you're going to make something beautiful in families, relationships. You know, right now there's hurt, there's pain, there's fracture. I believe God's going to reconcile. Come on, He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's going to happen right now. If there's pain, I just sense there's some deep relational pain going on in people's lives. Are you thinking it's over? But right now, Holy Spirit, if that's you, just reach out just in this moment. I don't need to know what's going on. God knows. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to acknowledge that. Just there's some things going on. Uh, even marriage, I, I just believe it. Yeah, couple, there's, there's been just argument after argument, contention, contention. Right now, it's like the enemy's got in, and I, I speak peace right now into that home. I speak peace right now. Come on, I need some Christians to activate their faith right now with me. It's not just me praying. I speak peace over that household. Peace over that household. Peace into that marriage. Oh, what God put together, let no man separate. We, We speak peace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We speak peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, He's gonna bring it together. He's going to bring it together. 
just feel like in the spirit, there's people here, you thought about changing direction, career-wise, journey-wise. And you had something in your heart, but you haven't stepped out. I feel like God's saying, now's your time. Now's the time you had something burning in your heart for a long time. But I believe there's a now in God. Just a now. If you witness with that, how about just lifting your hands just right now. Just witness, you witness with that. Change your direction. A number of people just, we thank you. Come on, we're going to all pray right now. God's going to light their path. God's going to go ahead of them. They're going to have the courage, courage to step out. Lord, we thank you. Lord, for, for breakthrough. We thank you, Lord. You, you call us, but you don't leave us. You, you walk with us. Lord, and as we walk with you and work with you, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to step into a sweet spot of your grace. Lord, you're going to open up doors. You're going to bring about right connections. Lord, you're going to go before us on every, on, in every step of our journey. And we thank you, God, for breakthrough. Lord, even where people feel capped and limited, we declare breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we release every limitation in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God's good. How about just with every eye closed? Right now, you may be here today. You may not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Friend, the greatest step anybody can ever take is opening their heart to Him. You're not here by chance. I believe God's brought you here to reveal His love to you. So many people are trying to find meaning in careers and material possessions. Once I reach this status, you know, then I'll know who I am and what my life's about try and find it in relationships. But friend, it's only God who can satisfy the longing of our heart. It's Rick Warren who said, we didn't create ourselves, so we can't tell ourselves what we're created for. Only God can do that. And there's a sense of divine longing in our heart to know God. Friend, the bad news is we've sinned. It's our sin that separates us from God. But I've got good news. God didn't leave us in our sin. He sent Jesus. And He sent Jesus to pay the price of our sin. He died on the cross. A horrible death. He was innocent. We were guilty. We're the guilty ones. But He paid the price of our sin by dying on the cross. But He didn't just die. He rose again and conquered sin and death once and for all. And He did it so that we might know Him that we might have relationship with Him. Friend, you're designed to know God. And today, if you put your trust in Him, He'll meet you right where you are. People go, well, I'm not good enough. Well, the fact of the matter is none of us are. Our goodness, all the good that we do, is not, still not good enough for God. That's why we need a Savior. And today, that Savior's name is Jesus. And today, if you put your trust and your hope in Jesus, you know salvation for eternity, but God will come and meet you right where you are right now. You don't have to live with the guilt and the shame of yesterday. For anyone who believes in Jesus, they start life anew. They're a new creation. Old things are passed away and everything becomes new. Just right now with every eye closed and people asking themselves where they're at with God. Friend, today, if you're not right with God in this place, you don't have right relationship with God. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I love to pray with you. I love to pray for you. But just quickly, I need to know who I'm praying with. 
If you say, Sam, that's me. I need to get right with God. Pray for me. I want to know my God-given purpose. I want Jesus in my life. I want to know His grace. I want to know His forgiveness. I, I want that new start. You're saying, that's me. Pray for me. Just quickly with every eye closed. What I'm asking you to do is just lift your hand high in the air where you are so I can see it. Once I see it, you can put it down. And we're going to pray a simple prayer together where you can get right with God. So on the count of three, hands are already going up. I want you to keep those hands up. But others who want to join them, just on the count of three, how about shooting up your hand? One, two, three, quickly, right around this room. Shoot up your hand. Just high, keep it high. Lift it high in the air. Just number people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifty, fifty people. Others, just quickly, if you haven't lifted your hand and say, pray for me. I want to get right with God. I want God in my life. Don't leave this place without knowing Jesus. It's the best decision anybody can ever make is getting right with Jesus. If you're saying, that's me, pray for me. Just simply lift your hand. Number of different people lifting their hand. How awesome is this, church? Come on, how amazing is this? We're going to pray right now. I get excited over this, and I know heaven does too. When one person gives their heart to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. But we're going to pray this prayer together as a family. And for those who lifted your hand, I want you to mean this in your heart. And I believe God's going to come and meet you right where you are. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, come on, all together, out loud, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I open the door of my heart. I ask you to come in and be my Lord and Savior. Today, I put my trust in you. And I thank you for dying on the cross, paying the price for my freedom. Today, I give my heart to you and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you, you're with me and you'll never leave me. I am yours and you are mine. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God a big clap of praise? Come on, let's give God a huge clap of praise.